We're going to talk about the cross. Uh, I tell you what, the, the enemy, uh, the enemy hates us talking about the cross. I mean, I see these guys wrestle this cross down. I mean, the enemy don't want to have anything to do with the cross. But I'm going to tell you what, clinging to the cross, <laughs> we have found to be great strength and great power. Amen. And so today we want to talk about, we've talked about the forgiveness of the cross. And uh, I had one of the most unusual events too. I had been working on, on a series of, about the cross. And I've been working on them for uh, all several, several days. And had that whole series on my computer. Well, I, I even including today's message, was work in that series. And so I got up this morning... And after I was up a while, I went to get my computer to go and print off the little booklet on the, uh, or have this series of messages. And Lord and behold, it was there, and then it was gone. And so, and when Jeremy can't find it, I know it's gone. And, uh, and how, you know, I just, those little torments that the enemy tries to do. But you know what we just do? We just laugh at him. Amen. How many of you, he's just been trying to torment you in some little stupid ways like that? Yeah. That, that's what he does. But it's important for us to identify him. I want you to know it's important for you to identify the work of the enemy. Uh, because the Bible says in the book of Proverbs... That if he is discovered, now he uses that word if. It's like, you know, the devil can do a whole lot and we don't really realize it's him. <laughs> but if we don't, then we don't get the benefit of victory over him. Uh, that's, that's the language of Proverbs. And it says that if the thief is discovered, that God will serve as an officer over him and he will have to restore sevenfold. Isn't that a powerful blessing of God? But the requirement, the requirement is discovering it's the enemy and calling a spade a spade. Now, Jesus identified him in John 10, 10, when he said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. So there's three things that the enemy is trying to do against all of our lives. He's trying to steal. He's trying to kill and then he's trying to destroy. So it's real important to when you see destruction that would fit any one of those categories that you call it what it is. Because if, somebody say if, if the thief is discovered, he has to restore. So the, that language also tells me that if he's not discovered, he stays in secret and he don't have to restore anything in our life. So it's just vitally important that you begin in your thinking, see that's thinking like God, <laughs> that in the process of your thinking that you realize when it's the enemy and that you call it the enemy and you discover it. And I believe it's important, Jimmy, to take authority over it. Because that's what Jesus taught us in Luke chapter 4. That prayer can be have conversation involved with it and talking against to the enemy. 
Now, the power of redemption, redemption is the theme of the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible is written from this theme of redemption. And if you're going to get redemption in its maximum form, you're going to have to learn to take your authority. You're going to have to learn to speak to the enemy. So Jesus taught us how to do that when he was here on earth. When the enemy showed up, Jesus addressed the enemy. And Jesus addressed the enemy with the word of God. And as he used that word and he stood in his authority and the Bible says that he came out of that confrontation strengthened. And God has a way of strengthening you. When, when you're beat down, it's different. But if you begin to stand up against what the devil's trying to do, it will bring an immediate strength into your life. It's a release of God's grace, really, what it is. It comes into our life. All right, now, redemption connects us to the spiritual realities of God. See, you can just live life. You can just live life and forget about God. Well, he doesn't forget about you, see. Or you can begin to live life under the authority of the power of redemption. And it will cause you to think differently about every situation you face. Every circumstance will be different. You won't be able to think normal. Everybody say normal. <laughs> Again. You'll be infected with righteousness. <laughs> and you'll be infected with the God kind of thinking, the God kind of feeling, and the God kind of talking. Praise God. We're going to talk about that for a little bit just this morning. I want to talk about it. I've talked about the power of the cross and forgiveness. I've talked a little bit about the power of God to transform me. Now I want to talk to you. I want to first start it off with talking about the picture of redemption. It seems like the, the powerful things of God. Well, the Hebrew language, you know, is the language of pictures. But when it comes to the word of redemption, it's really a three major words that's involved here. And really is speaking from the Greek context. There's three major words, and it's really three different pictures that we have to put all three of those pictures together to come away with the picture of redemption. The first picture, or the first word that's associated with redemption, for me to understand what redemption is, the first picture associated with it is a slave market. And it's a slave block. And it's you and I standing on that slave block. Because I'm going to tell you what, you and I had a debt we could not pay. <laughs> we had an enormous amount of debt that there was no way that we could pay it. So the first picture is that. It's me standing on that slave block, helpless and hopeless. And the devil is the accuser, and the devil accuses me, telling me the right, why he can do these things to my life, and he always brings up my past. Because he's the accuser. And so he's telling you there, he's pronouncing the judgment upon your life. But there's a second picture associated with that. And the second picture is the word, there is a 
white-robed savior that walks into that slave market. (laughs) There is a master that walks into that slave market and he goes up to that slave block and when the bid is against my life, when the bid is against my health, when the bid is against my provision, when the bid is against my relationships, when the bid is against everything in my life, that Savior takes his blood and lays it at the foot of that slave block and buys me. That's the second. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for paying the price. That he purchases me. But there's a third picture, and I want to even talk about a fourth picture associated with it. But there's a third picture that's associated with that same picture. To not only does he buy me, not only does he pay the price for my sin. He chooses, now let me just talk about the price just for a quick moment. And the price that that Jesus paid for my failure. He chose to do something with that failure. In fact, he chose two things. The first thing that Jesus chose was to forgive it. Forgive me. And I want you to know this morning, if you've asked God to forgive you, if you've walked to an altar somewhere and accepted Christ, I want you to know God never goes back on his forgiveness because the second thing he chose to do with it, he chose to forget it. So it's the picture of forgiveness and forgetfulness. He chose to forgive me and then he chose to forget it. That's why the condemnation that you have in your life, it's not from God, honey. The acquisitions that you have in your life is not from the Lord. The condemnation that you have going on in your life is from where? That's that one that we, if we, are, we can discover it. <laughs> the Lord will stand as the officer over him. So there's no condemnation from God. Amen? In fact, there's no condemnation to us who are in Christ. But there's a third picture associated with it. And the third picture is this. Not only does the Lord lay down his blood to pay the purchase price, he extends his hand. And he takes me off of that, that sale block, takes me out of the market of my pain, and carries me to his house, and I'm forever his for the glory of God. Amen. That is the picture of redemption. The picture of redemption is me standing on the me standing on the slave uh, in the slave market, standing to be sold as a slave because of my sins and the things of my life. But the Savior walks in and pays the price for me that no one else can ever match the price. And then He extends His hand to me. And carries me to his house. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, 
For through the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. And in this scripture, I love this version of it because it, and this seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside you forever. Isn't that a wonderful promise? What happened to me, pastor, when I gave my heart to the Lord? Because I told you about a fourth picture associated with redemption. The fourth picture is me. And the fourth picture that's associated with redemption is my surrender. Because when the Lord offered me his hand, I fell in surrender. The fourth picture that's associated with redemption is my life surrendered unto him. Amen? Amen. What happened to me, Pastor, when I accept the Lord? Well, the Bible says, according to the scripture that we just read, that God placed his seed inside of us. And that seed is growing. I don't know about you, but I can feel God growing in me right now. <laughs> We've been ingested with the seed of God. And the promise is that that seed will continue to grow in me. That continue will, it will continue to move into areas of my life. It will continue to conquer areas of my life that are not surrendered to God. And that's why when a person comes to God, they can never be the same again. Honey, you will never be the same again. When you come to Jesus, there's that seed that's been invested inside your life, that seed will never ever let you be satisfied with mere life again. You may try to go back. You may do everything you can do. You may try to stay in that bondage. You may try to stay in that addiction. But that seed will never let you ever again enjoy life like you did. And that seed is determined that you're going to look like Jesus. And that seed will not quit growing until all the benefits of that cross are able to be lived out in your life for the glory of God. That's why you can't live like the Joneses. Johnny Jones especially this morning. Or you can't live like the Smiths. Because, see, your neighbors will be able to live a life that you'll never be able to live again. They'll be able to enter into things that do things if they're of the world. They'll be able to do things that enter into things and live a way that will make them happy. But, honey, you ruined. It'll never make you happy again. Because there is a seed that God has put deep in you. And that seed's going to grow, honey. Amen. Now, the truth of the matter is, I have a choice in it. I can cooperate and allow that seed 
to grow more fully and, and, and to move into areas of my life. We just got dark all of a sudden. Somebody tell the sound booth, it's hard for me to see my nose when it's like that. <laughs> but that seed that God put in you, I want you to just say with me this morning, say, I've been ingested with the seed. There has been a seed put inside me. Will never let me be normal again. I'll never be able to be happy with my addiction. I'll never be able to be happy with my anger. I'll never be able to be happy with my frustration. I'll never be able to be happy with my self-pity. I'll never be able to live life as I used to again because the seed of God is so strong inside me. Amen? Now, there is a side, though. I can cooperate with that that God's doing in my life. Don't you just love the book of Philippians? Don't you just love when it says that God's creating in us the very desire and the power both the will and the work for it? God is the one that's doing it. God is in us growing. God is determined, honey, you're going to grow. Now, you can fight against it. And if you fight against it, it's just like going crosswise to what, the, to what God is desiring to do. You can fight it. You can, de- you can determine you're going to stay in that life of sin. You can determine, but I'll tell you what, you will never walk blessed like that. God's will is that seed inside you would grow and would grow, and that your life would become blessed. See, God describes his life as a life of abundance. That's why that Jesus said in John 10, 10, said, I'm not the one that's taken from you. I'm the one that's given to you, and I'm the one that gives more abundantly to you. That's why in the book of Philippians, it says that God supplies all of our needs, not out of his riches and glory, but according to his riches and glory. Do you understand? God said, I will bless you, not out of my, not out of my abundance. Because see, what we see of that, we see God taking a handful out of his great abundance. But he's not, that's not the blessing that God has for you. God is blessing you according to his riches and glory. God's got a big spoon, honey, and when he comes out of his, it's a big amount. Okay, amen? That is the will of God. It's the will of God that you and I live a blessed life. It's the will of the Lord that we live happy, we live blessed, we live fulfilled, we live uh, purposed, that we have uh, reason for being in this life. But if I'm going to go contrary to what God's seed's trying to do in me, I'll never live a blessed life. In fact, the Bible calls that really living under the curse. It really does. And the Bible says that through the power of redemption, I have been redeemed from the curse. So it should not be. But that's because I mess up God's picture. If I mess up God's picture and, and I refuse to live a surrendered life before God, I mess the picture up. That doesn't mean that seed's not growing, but what that does mean, I'll never be able to have the blessings of God if I'm going to go crosswise to what God wants in my life. Amen. All right, in the book of 1 John, chapter 3, it says it this way. It says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Why? Because there's something inside me that will not let me practice it anymore. There's something inside me. The power of redemption is God not only forgave my past, he brought me into a new future. God has a new purpose for me in my life. Amen? And says, 
one that is born of God, makes, he cannot make a practice of sinning. For God's seed, how come he can't? Because God's seed's abiding in me. That seed, it will not quit. That seed of God inside me wants me to develop and look like Jesus. Amen? And what is going to resist the powers of the enemy is going to resist what the devil is trying to bring to pass in my life. Now, in the book of 1 Corinthians, it brings a little light in it. The book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 36, it says, What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. Do you see? God said there has to be a death that's associated with that seed growing inside me. The problem is you want to live in this or you want to live for the devil. God said you've got to be willing to die. But if you're willing to die, God said my seed will be able to grow into something wonderful for the glory of God. Amen. So it has to die first. In Matthew chapter 13, it talks about what this seed wants to grow into. Matthew, that seed that God put inside me. Everybody say it's growing. It's growing. It's growing. That seed of God inside me is growing. And if I will just allow it, if I'll just work with that seed, that seed will produce something wonderful in my life. If I will just flow, if I will allow the seed of God to have place in me, it will produce something wonderful and great in my life. In the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 19, notice what it says. Oh, pardon me, verse, uh, Matthew 13, verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed in the, it was the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it's the greatest. Now, God's, what God's telling you is this. That seed that he put in you, it may seem like you got a small start. But honey, if you will allow God to work in your life, that that is small will, won't be long before it will be great. Amen? God's going to cause it to grow and become great in your life. Now, I want us to look at the things that how I can do, what I can work with to help that seed grow more. How I can, how, what I can do in my life to be more proper soil. God wants my life to be good soil for the seed he's put in there. And if I will allow my life to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and to cooperate with the Word of God, then God will be able to grow something great. Everybody say, grow something great in my life. Amen? So, and then Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. It says, when the Word of the kingdom comes. This is talking about the four kinds of soil. And this, what I'm doing is... Bring my life being a place where God's will and purpose can bring be fulfilled. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. When the word of the kingdom comes to anyone and the sense of it is not clear to him, then the evil one comes. Who comes? The evil one comes and quickly takes away that which was put in his heart. He is the seed dropped by the wayside. God tells me that even though a seed is put in the heart, if I do not allow God to work within my life, the enemy will come and will try to take away. One revelation of this same scripture in the book of Mark tells us, he calls it the birds of the air, which are known as the demons, as the demonic spirits of this world. 
that the birds of the air will come and to try to take that that God has put in my heart. All right, I want to ask you something. What bondage is holding us back? What in our life is keeping? What bondage? What, why are we cooperating with the enemy? How are we cooperating in the enemy that's keeping that seed from growing in us? What addictions are we allowing in our life? What attitudes are we allowing? What, in, what does the devil have in us that we are allowing it to hinder that seed that God put in me? Because it's the will of God that that seed that God put in me, that that seed grows. I'm going to ask you something. How many of you are satisfied with where you are? How many of you are satisfied with the experience? Most people I know, they had a great experience in God. But in the process of it, that seed failed to grow at the rate I believe that God in His Word declares it should grow. So I'm here to ask you, what in us, what in us are we allowing that's hindering that from doing that? What in us, what are we cooperating with that's allowing the devil to restrict what God wants to do in our life? I'm just ready to kick the devil out of my life. How about you? God never intended. God expected the picture of redemption in my life to be a life of surrender. Because a life of this forms a life of this. A life of this forms a life of this. A life of surrender forms a life of protection. And what God is saying, because the picture of redemption is a life of surrender. What am I not surrendering? What in what way has the devil fooled me? The Bible says that immediately the devil comes. And it becomes a toss-up. Here he says he snatches. What is it in my life that the devil's got a hold to? That he's trying to stop God's plan for me. It's the will of God that I grow. It's the will of God that I shine with his glory. It is the will of God that miracles are able to flow through our lives. It is the will of God that our lives be blessed beyond measure. It is the will of God that we move into the life of abundance of God. What am I allowing in me that's cooperating with the enemy? Amen. What bondage? What hurt? What pain? What addiction is the devil holding over my life to keep me? Now, now notice, when it comes to seeding the sower, he identifies the wrestle that's going on here is between me and the devil. You understand what I'm saying? The devil, the, he says, the, nev the devil is trying to snatch it away from me. Amen? Now, uh, over in the book, if, if you wouldn't mind, over in the book of Genesis, chapter 15, is a wonderful story there of what a person is going to have to do. That that you're going to surrender to the Lord, that that is surrendered to God, must be protected. Now, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 11, it said, that when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Abraham had prepared the sacrifices here for the Lord. And God honored that sacrifice. Man, the presence of God began to move in the midst of those sacrifices. And the voice of God began to speak unto those, into Abraham as the sacrifice was prepared. But the Bible says that something happened. That same enemy 
I'm just telling you, this is the strategy of the devil. It's the strategy of the devil to try to get out of you what God's putting in you. And you've got a choice to make. And if you think that, that just living a Christian life is not going to take a battle, that's why I've called this 21-day fast. I'm here to tell you there's some strategies that's been assigned against your life. And if you're going to make it over, if you're going to win this thing, you're going to have to become a warrior. You're going to be, have to take off the training pants. You're going to have to begin to put on some warrior, warrior attire. And there's going to have to become a fight in you. If you think that you're just going to tiptoe through the tulips and going to walk away with a blessed life, I'm here to tell you, honey, it's not going to happen. But if you're ready to put on your boxing gloves against the devil, if you're ready to, to, to arise and shine, to fight against the forces that's trying to destroy your future, See, the beautiful thing about redemption is God has already provided for each and every one of us. God has already provided a wonderful life and a wonderful future. Because, see, in that area of redemption, it covers everything that you could ever want or desire in life. But the devil's determined that he's going to resist you from receiving it. That's why the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. Not only is he in that same kingdom where that seed is growing, and that seed's trying to become the greatest of all herbs or the grace tree. God in there is trying to grow. God in there. And so the devil has come to stalemate you, to stop you, that's why I call this 21-day fast. It's a fast for breakthrough. Because, honey, I'm going to tell you what. We need a breakthrough. Whatever it is that the devil has built against you, whatever wall that he has built up against your life, whatever wall he has built against your family, against your relationships, against your finances, against your health, against your peace of mind, against your joy... Whatever it is that the devil's built, we desperately need a breakthrough. Amen? And I believe it's almost to walk in redemption. And not only is this my call, this is a call that's going throughout this world. God's getting ready to do one of the most spectacular events. <laughs> and God's calling His church again. To move up as a warrior. To once again take on the armor of God. And once again stand as a soldier ready to fight. And a, and a, and a reliance on God. And a resistance to what the enemy is trying to do. I'm going to tell you what. There's many of you have extreme powerful callings on your life. And that calling is going to never mean anything to you. Because you're not willing to fight and most of you think, well, I don't know what to fight. Well, most of what our fight goes on is us. <laughs> you understand? I mean, the battle is not too far away. It's those elements that the devil has built inside of us, tries to put inside of us. It's those, see, the seed was placed in the heart, according to Matthew 13. 
And the enemy came to grab a hold and some way tug war with you in your life. Some way to tug your war and to some way to get you to let go of what God had for you. And Jesus died to give it to us. That's the story. That's redemption. Jesus died to do it. It's already paid for. <laughs> it's already commissioned. It's already placed into your account. It's already there. You understand? You got to keep watch. You got to make sure the greatest passion in your life only goes for Jesus. You can't let your passions get for any other thing. There are enemy spirits that they're determined that you're going to love something more than you're going to love God. And they're going to make it shiny, and they're going to make it sparkle, and they're going to make it look so good. But you have got to determine, I'm going to keep a watch over this seed that God's put inside of me. And I'm going to make sure that this seed that God's put inside me, I'm going to make sure. Everybody say, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to make sure that I watch over it for the glory of God in Jesus' name. Because, somebody say, this seed is growing. This seed is growing. This seed is growing. And it's going to make me look like Jesus. This seed is growing. This seed is growing. Well, it's time for us to close. And I don't know where I am. I just barely got started. It's good. Man, we're just going to take on redemption. We're going to be hugging redemption for the next several weeks, Lord. Lord. We're going to be hugging the picture of redemption. We're going to be looking at what God's. We're going to be looking at our soul in other ways. But this morning, I want to close with the willingness of that surrendered life. I was here to tell you, there's some demons that's working overtime to keep some things in your life. There are some demons, because it said birds of the air, which are representative in the Bible of demon spirits. There are some demons that's working overtime to keep some things in your life. And if you don't get wise, and if you don't get smarter than the devil, and if you don't get up, then what you're going you're to mess around and let the curse be on your life instead of the blessing. And God has already redeemed you from the curse. And he's already, he's already taken the price for that. And you're going to mess around with that. And you're going to miss what God has for you. You're going to get old and wretched and bitter and die ugly. And miss what God has for you. Instead of staying alert and realizing there's certain things i got to guard. i got to guard this seed. i got to make sure it can grow in my life. I'll keep my life for the glory of God. But I want to quickly ask you, how many of you are aware of some demon spirits that's working overtime to keep some things in your life that you know has got to get out of your life. You, you, you're well, I want you to quickly stand, if that's you. If you know of some demon spirits, if there's been some things that's working overtime to try to keep those things in your life. You know that little game? You know that little game? Was it? 
Some of you need to get a rock and beat the head of that devil. Some of you need to get some cover and cover that. And some of you need to get some scissors and cut that thing out of your life. You've got the power. Because the thing about redemption, it doesn't leave you powerless. The thing about redemption, it makes you powerful. Because that little word forgiveness opens up a grace inside you that's able to run any demon devil out of your life for the glory of God. There's a strength in you. Somebody say, there's a strength in me. There's a power in me. Jesus put a power in me. Jesus put a strength in me. And I am able through his name to take authority and run that devil out of my life for the glory of God. In Jesus. You ready to war for about 30 seconds here? All right, listen, I want us to war. I want us to war against whatever's attacking you. Yeah, go right there. Testing, testing, there we go. When you ask people to stand up to pray that uh, we're, we're fighting tremendous battles, I felt like the Holy Spirit said that uh, every Sunday night at 4 o'clock in here, we have a prayer meeting. And I felt like the Lord said, when your battle gets strong enough, you'll do something about it. You'll start praying. You'll start praying. And I felt like the Lord said tonight at 4 o'clock that we would take those issues. And here a while back, we listened to a message by Bill um, on how to worship in your battle. And he said that he was thankful to God that he could worship in a battle he had never worshipped in before. And so what I felt like the Lord said was that on these 4 o'clock prayer meetings on Sunday night, we're going to worship in our battle. And we're going to take the scriptures that tell us that God's going to win that battle. And we're just going to pray those scriptures together. And we're going to worship that God yes. said he would win the battle. And uh, and the... Uh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say. But anyway, we're, that we would just come together. Oh, I know what it was. The prophetic word. One of the prophetic words over the church this year was that if we would pray corporately... God would do the biggest miracles he's ever done in this body. But it would take corporate prayer, us praying and putting our faith together to see that level of miracles come into the body. And so at 4 o'clock, I felt like the Lord said, if you're fighting a battle and you're, you're serious about God winning that battle for you, then if you'll come and pray corporately, you'll be in a place God can do the greatest miracles that he's ever done.